0: Let's begin with a word of prayer, okay? Lord, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to be your sons and daughters, called uh, by your Spirit to make a difference in the world from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Holy Spirit, we ask that you guide our conversation today. We ask that you speak to each and every one of us. We pray that your great heart for the nations would grow bigger inside of each and every one of us, and that you would give us unique strategies to move people that we love forward into the fulfillment of the Great Commission. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Well, this session is entitled Long-Term Gains with Short-Term Teams. I actually I actually titled it Max Missions. Max is an acrostic for mobilizing a church to send. How many of you believe that every church ought to be a sending church? Yes. Isn't that right? Okay. So let's begin this way. Let's have a little fun with this. Second grade teacher, Champaign, Illinois, was concerned that her students were not learning American Proverbs. These are not the Proverbs that um, you'd find in the book of Proverbs. These are Proverbs that poor Richard's Almanac or Ben Franklin and all that kind of stuff. So she devised a test for her second graders. She gave them the first half of the proverb and asked them to fill in the blank. Now, how I many you know that's dangerous with seven and eight-year-olds, huh? All right, so here's, here's some results for you. A penny saved, okay, this is audience, but this is to get us all going, all right? A penny saved is? A penny, a penny saved is not very much. We've got a budding economist on our hands here, all right? The bigger they are, The better I like them, yeah. (laughs) The bigger they are, the smaller you are. Anybody the smallest? You know, actually, I was the smallest kid in my class all the way to 11th grade. And so, okay. Uh, Birds of a feather. Make a pillow. Very practical. All right. You can always lead a horse. You can lead a horse to water. You can lead a horse to water, but they always want something else. Second grade Billy, why don't you just like what I got you? You know what I'm talking about. Okay. I, I didn't know this one. Time and Tide. Wait for the man. Oh, good. That'll preach. Time and Tide. Okay. Time and Tide, clean your clothes. <laughs> a bird in the hand might go to the bathroom. All right. Don't count your chickens. Before you wash your hands, maybe the same kid, huh? Um, don't count your chickens. Just shoot them. <laughs> he who laughs last, last. is going to get in trouble <laughs> sort of like the NBA it's always the second push that gets the whistle I think you can't teach an old dog can't teach an old dog because he can't see very well <laughs> one of the most favorite Ben Franklin's early to bed come on makes a man healthy, wealthy and early to bed a very succinct one word answer early to bed stinks stinks <laughs> And then this last one, uh, you wonder the living situation who might be in the house, what a second grader's been exposed to and all that. But if at first you don't succeed, this little guy said, if at first you don't succeed, eat fruit. Oh, come on. (laughs) Okay. You know, uh, God's word is full of incredible wisdom and instruction. And we are not given the option to fill in the blank. Isn't that right? So when God's word says, for God so loved the world, let's finish it together, all right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We're not left to fill in the blank. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, Picture this in your mind with me, all right? Um, what is um, 750,000 miles long at that length that would go around the circumference of the earth 30 times and it grows 30 miles longer every day got that 30 times around the earth 30 miles long folks that's the line of the lost on planet earth today if we put everybody on this planet that has yet to discover life and love in Jesus Christ shoulder to shoulder that line would go 30 times around the planet 30 miles longer every day and um Becky and I, my wife, we've dreamed a lot of ministry dreams over the years. A lot of personal dreams, but there's one dream that consumes us in this season of life, and that is simply that languages currently spoken on earth will be heard in heaven in worship for the very first time. I'm going to say that, that languages currently spoken on earth will be heard in heaven in worship for the very first time. Isn't that why we're still all on the planet? But the truth is is that 86% of Buddhists, Hindus, and Muslims have never even met a follower of Jesus. Over 7,000 people groups on the planet, ranging from the hundreds to the hundreds of thousands that do not yet have a church in their language and on their soil, people in those people groups could not find Jesus if they wanted to because he hasn't been there yet through his people. 24 people every minute go into eternity without ever hearing the name of Jesus one time. So I, I'd like to make this discussion on the value of short-term teams simple by answering very basic questions: who, what, where, how, when, and why. All right. Short-term teams will cover the questions. God help us to get through them in forty-five minutes. But before before we get into that, I want to I want to go through the questions. But but folks, I want to start with the question: why today? Because the why is the most important question that triggers every other question. It was Simon Sinek who wrote the book, Begin with the Why, who made this observation. He said great companies and great leaders begin with the why. Most companies start with how and what and where. But he said great companies and great leaders begin with the why. And God has given us a great why in that he so loved the world that he gave his only son. Okay." Um, begin with the why. It's, it's Dell versus Apple. Dell makes a good computer, and they'll tell you exactly what that computer... You know what Apple says? We want to improve the quality of your life. They begin with an entirely different why for building a computer. So great leaders begin with the why, and God has given us an amazing why for short-term teams with long-term implications and long-term goals, all right, and long-term gains. So so great leaders begin with the why. I, I want to take a minute and lay a foundation for the why before we get into the practice. So this, this is something that's really growing in me that I think we're missing in the church, and I think it will help us say realize why it's so important that short-term teams that produce long-term fruit is crucial. Um, Let me say it this way. The Bible, for me, is the story of God on a mission. Um, It doesn't just contain the mission. I see the Bible today as a missions manual, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. One mission leader said, if you take missions out out of the Bible, all you'll have left is the covers. The Bible, the story of God on a mission. For me, the, the Bible is one big story and one big why, God on a mission. And I see today... Genesis 1 through 11 is kind of the warm up. We get creation, we get the fall. We understand the flood. We understand the scattering. why there are people groups in the first place. The scattering of people's God's idea across the planet. And then in Genesis 12, God starts a mission. And he chooses a man named Abraham. And he says to Abraham, Abraham, leave your people. I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. And through you, all the peoples of the world are going to be blessed. So God picks a man. And here, this becomes the biblical pattern to, right on down to our day and our lives. The blessings of God come down on his people. that we might bless the nations of the world, that they might taste and see that the Lord is good and return blessing and, and honor and praise to our God. This is the biblical pattern, all right? And so, all those Old Testament stories now that I started learning when I was a little kid, you know, the Bible, we've used them for character studies, we've used them for wisdom for our lives, and they're full of that stuff, But, but... I'm seeing the Bible with a whole new set of characters in those stories now, because in every one of those stories, there's another set of characters, and it's the nations of the world. For God so loved Egypt that he sent Joseph. For God so loved Babylon that he sent Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. For God so loved Persia, he raised up an Esther. For God so loved Nineveh, well, special delivery system. He got Jonah there, isn't that right? but God's great love for that city-state of terrorist thugs. For God so loved the world. All these stories with a different set of characters. So God on a mission, and I want to say this before we get into the practice, all right? The story of God is still being written today. We're not adding to the 66 books. That's what I'm talking about. But the story of God on a mission is still being written today. And he wants to write a chapter of that story through all of our lives. And he wants to write a chapter of that story through all of our churches. And that's what short-term missions, for long-term gains, that's what it's all about. So why short-term missions? Well, for God still so loves the world that he's sending you and I. That's a reason for short-term missions. Why short-term missions? Because minimally, and it may be bigger than this, 70% of all the current full-time missions force for the Assemblies of God around the world first went on a short-term trip. And that's where they were exposed to the heart of God for the nations. That's a, big, that's a long-term gain for short-term trips. Why, why short-term missions? To lift up the arms of our missionaries. And to make a difference. Let me, let me go back. 70%. Um, I was asked to help a church in Atlanta in November. They wanted to begin work in Vietnam. I usually don't have the bandwidth and time to do this, but we, I went with them to introduce them to the missionary, get them set up, and spend a week with that, with that team of nine people. And we had amazing Bible studies in the morning about some of the things we're talking about right now. They had a, gr- a great missions experience. Five out of the nine are now planning to go back full-time in missions. Out of one short-term team, mm-hmm. I get really jazzed about that. All right, um, so uh, we got a couple of our former students here: Daniel on his way to France with his bride, Ruth on her way to Laos by faith, along with her husband. Uh, they've done a lot of short-term work with us over the over the years and all that. Ian, you're right here. I didn't see you, man. I looked right <laughs> over your head at your wife, but um, but um, so. Some of the stories I'm going to tell today, they could probably tell my stories better than I. They've, they've heard them enough, all right? But, but one of their peers um, was a young lady by the name of Lindsay Pallone, now Lindsay Lehman. You knew I was going to say that, didn't you? I saw that, Ruth. Yeah. And uh, Lindsay, um, um, Lindsay became the poster child of why someone can't get on the field long term. She was a staff member of ours. She was getting her credentials. God began to stir in her heart about going to, about going to Kenya, to Nairobi, to work with Live Dead, to work with Somali refugee women and children. And and Lindsay's situation uh, just just blew me away. Um, here, here's Lindsay. School debt, out the wazoo. Huge hindrance to the work of God today around the world. All right. Uh, you know, freaked out parents. I just saw her dad in the hallway a few minutes ago. My daughter's going to go where and do what? You know how freaked out he was, yeah. Uh, um, Lindsay, an absolute free, free spirit. Her greatest goal in life was to one day be on the Amazing Race, and she probably would have won. Lindsay's just all tank top flip flops and just loving life, all right? And, um, and to think of Lindsay ultimately every day wearing a burqa, to earn the opportunity to minister to refugee Muslim women and children of Somalia. Um, Lindsay, I can't raise a budget. I don't want to raise a budget. All the reasons why she couldn't go. And then the big one was, I want to get married. I want to have a family. Where am I going to meet a guy in Africa? Well, she obeyed God after many short-term opportunities and she went full-time as an MA and, and here's Lindsay I, I get this call about halfway through her two-year assignment hey do you know this guy named Andy well Andy from his church in Texas was leading a short-term team through Kenya well Andy was on my staff years before at Book of Hope when we were running an internship for them I get this text from Andy hey do you know this girl named Lindsay <coughs> And they've been married for several years now. It's a great story, all right? They're expecting their first child. And and Lindsay is still running short-term teams and directing for, for a great church in the Dallas area. She's directing all the refugee ministries for her church. Short-term missions, long-term gain. So um, we have kids from short-term teams that are currently preparing to... Um, Uh, to go to um, France, Turkey, Laos, Yemen, Japan, Vietnam, but it all started with the kind of trips that God wants to stir your heart to lead from your churches. And who knows what God can do when you get a handful of people from your church to the nations. So, well, Long-term workers are a gain, all right, to lift up the arms of the missionaries. Um, we, had a, um, we had a team going to northern Laos, a short-term team. And the missionaries there, Jill, the missionaries, what, were you on the Laos team? No. Yeah, okay. And, and Jill, you know, she was a little nervous about our team coming. First of all, they'd never received a team before in that part of the country. And secondly, she said, um, I, I've heard about millennials and I'm not sure if this is a good idea for three weeks. You know, and she had all these preconceived notions and all that. She had just lost her missionary mentor. Her name was Mary Alice, who died at 102 years old. So she's, she's, she's got this loss on one hand. She's got this young team coming on the other hand. And she said, I just didn't know what to expect. And she wrote for one of our AG publications these words. She said they showed up and immediately started serving. They served our community. They served our Life Center students. They served my family. For crying out loud, they washed my dishes she said they painted in the relentless sun and heat they prayer walked our villages and called down heaven to save a people who have not yet heard they led worship in my home ushering in the presence of jesus and bringing me to my knees in tears worshiping with them a, wa- a-, a water went out at their guest house the water went out at the guest house no showers or flushing toilets toilets they didn't complain they ate rice at least 40 times in 20 days Only commented on how great it was. They dug in, prayed through, and made a huge impact on us in Laos, all for the kingdom. And as they prepared to leave, the Father gently spoke to me and said, This is the generation I'm raising up. They are pioneers. They are innovators. The country's sister Alice Jane prayed for. They will live there and preach my message. The people group she interceded for, they will reach. Short-term missions with long-term gain who knows what God is going to do in the hearts of people that you get to lead on a short-term trip. Well, um, so, lifting up the arms of missionaries like Jill and Laos, it's, it's good to ask before you go, what can we bring you? And not just what do you need, but what do you want? I mean, does Nutella really sound good to you about now? huh do do peanut m&ms really sound good to you about now you you get a chance to bless missionaries that are longing and craving for stuff that we get access to every day Um, so uh, here's another why that i threw in all right Um, when we take people on short-term teams we help them personally grow in god's vision for nations tribes and tongues and they can come back and be a great asset in your church I have people say to me from time to time why should you take them on a team they're not even serving here and I say you know what I get that but sometimes if they're willing to go God can jumpstart their heart in ways that they could, they're ready to come back and make a huge difference in your church add to your missions vision so don't say ah you Okay, we'll just leave that right where it is. We've got to keep going here. Uh, But that's long-term gain. And here's a conviction I have about short-term teams, all right? No matter what God does through us on a trip with short-term missions, if God has his way, he will do more in us than he ever does through us. That's a long-term gain for short-term trips. So uh, uh, another reason for short-term trips, to encourage the nationals. Friendship with American Christians is like gold to them. And and hanging out with them and loving on them and blessing them and asking them questions. Go as a learner. If we think we got everything to share and nothing to learn from them, it's dead in the water. Okay? Go as a learner and learn from them. So um, to encourage nationals, here's another reason for short-term trips. All right. Um, Because Jesus is worthy. Do we need any more motivation than that? Because Jesus is worthy. Quote from John Piper. Missions exist because worship doesn't. What did he mean with that? Missions exist because worship doesn't. Huh? Let me throw a little word on there to help us. Missions exist because worship does not yet. Yet. In the places where God wants to send us. It was the Moravians. A fascinating church of... Started over three, four hundred, almost four hundred years ago now, with a great passion in Eastern Europe, great passion for the nations. The Moravians, under Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf, started a prayer meeting. This prayer meeting went on 24 7 for over a hundred years. And the focus of that prayer meeting was about one thing, and that was the fulfillment of the Great Commission. No wonder, no wonder one out of every 12 members of their church ultimately became a full-time missionary somewhere in the world. Two of them, Dober and Nietzsche, one was a potter and one was a carpenter, God grew a burden in them. It was growing in them for the the slave population of the West Indies, of the Caribbean. And they said, we feel called to reach the slave population that does not have the gospel yet. And as they did their research, they found out the only way they would allow them to become missionaries to the slave population was to give their lives up as slaves as well. And they did it. Imagine that church send-off when they got on that huge clipper ship to sail across the Atlantic. And as the boat began to move into the harbor, the two guys got up on the front of the boat, they looked at their church family down on the dock, and they yelled at the top of their lungs, the lamb is worthy to receive the praise that he's been robbed of. From the slaves of the West Indies. The Lamb is worthy. Why short-term missions? Because Jesus is worthy. Here's a quote on why, okay? John Stott said, We must be global Christians with a global vision because our God is a global God. Secondly, let's answer the who question, all right? Who gets to go? First of all, I put down here, everyone, I think everybody needs to go one time. Every follower of Jesus needs to go once, all right, to grow in world vision. Let me just throw this in there. So, so as you're building a team, yeah, you announce it from pulpits. You, you know, but I love what Jesus did, and I, this is something I encourage you to do, along with those who say I'd like to be a part. You know, Jesus spent all night in prayer, and then he got up the next day, Mark 3, and he handpicked his twelve. And as a leader, to say, God, who do you want on this team? Because there might be somebody in your church that God wants there, and it hasn't even crossed their mind that God could use them that way or God would want them to go. So just don't wait for the ones that come to you, but everybody ought to go at least once, all right? So I said everyone. Then I said not everyone for this reason. It only takes one person with a hidden agenda or wrong motives to screw up a $30,000 project. So we can't just take everybody. Can they be a team player? Are they prickly? Are they high maintenance? All right? All of our teams, we just say, blessed are the flexible. Isn't that right? (laughs) Blessed are the flexible. They shall bend and not be broken. Inflexible people are rough on the mission field because everything intensifies. So be careful, all right? Um, Not everyone, because missions trips are not the place to say, Let's take them along and maybe they'll fall in love with Jesus. There's a lot of places to see that happen, but on the mission field is not one of them. We're taking people who are disciples, who want to make a difference in the world, that are already in love with Jesus. This isn't a place where we hope somebody will get their act together. Can't do that on a short-term trip. So, um, who, who, who do we work with, all right? Um I'm looking to see if we have any of our missionary family here in the room today. Uh, We work, look for proven missionaries who really know how to receive and implement short-term teams well. I love all of our missionaries, but not all of our missionaries are good with teams. All right? And they will have a huge impact on the impact that experience has on your team members so so proven missionaries all right who know how to utilize teams um who do we work with a lot of times you know work with people that you already have relationship with on the field because when things go sideways on the field how many know things go sideways on the field you want the relationship to be stronger than the problem you're facing on the field all right so um Here's a quote um, that I put down here from Livingston about who goes and all that. He just said, sympathy is no substitute for action. Wow. So everybody, everywhere, let's send them, all right? Let's, let's look at the where question here. Huh. I had a friend on the West Coast say this one time. I loved it. He said, Jesus said go into all the world, and it's pretty hard to miss. And we get our knickers on and nod over, where do we go? Where do we go? Well, you know, a lot of times the, uh, the what the team's about determines the where. And sometimes the where determines the what. But, but here we are with, with the where question, all right? Uh, stateside or abroad? Both. Okay. Um, most of you will not know this. Dave probably does. In 1983, the Ohio District, the Ohio Network, put it, and our dear friend Jim Palmer was our DYD at the time, and he tasked me with running an outreach. For four days in the city of Cincinnati, Ohio, we had 375 students from 38 churches on the streets of Cincinnati. And it was phenomenal. The kicker was, I was in charge of the outreach. I'd never been on one in my life. <laughs> I get to organized thing, you know, and I brought it. And I never will forget uh, setting up a worship band, 90-some degrees, outside of the old workhouse, full of inmates with all their windows open because of the heat, next to a pool in the over-the-rhine area, when the over-the-rhine area was not trendy. Hmm? And as that worship band kicked up in a huge crowd and circled them and all that. I watched a young guy get off of a three-wheeled motorcycle. Um, he was a motorcycle gang member. I watched him limp into the crowd. I watched him stay for a few minutes and I watched him leave. Do you ever have God begin to do one of these? Um, I'm on the other side of the circle saying, God, speak to one of those students go talk to him. And, and, and nobody and He's walking away and I just bolded for him. I don't have time to tell the whole story but all I'll say is is that young man came to Christ. He told me he was on his way to jump off the bridge and commit suicide. It was a divine appointment that changed the course of my life and changed the course of my ministry on a short-term stateside outreach. We just had our students this year for five days. Do you know there's a one square mile area in Detroit called Hamtramck that is home to 25,000 Muslims. We spent 5 days living in Hamtramck and loving on people right here in our country. So where stateside or abroad both, but I encourage you to prioritize cross-cultural ministry. Let's let's be clear today. When we minister to people of our own culture, that's called evangelism. When we minister to people cross-culturally, that's called missions. Okay? Not everything is missions. Everything's outreach, everything's evangelism, but it's only as we move cross-culturally, whether it's in our country or across the seas, that we really call things missions. So stateside or abroad, both, okay? Um, beyond, uh, uh, where to, where, the where question, let's minister beyond our time zone, and that's probably a typo in your notes I picked up there, beyond our time zone. I, I, you know what one thing that bugs me? Why is it that it seems every MAPS construction team goes to Latin America? It's easy? You don't change time zones? It's cheap? Cheaper? you and you're
1: working at
0: one. And I'm thinking, does, does Asia need construction teams? Does Africa need construction teams? Guys, we need to be led by the Lord as where to go and not driven by budget. And we need to trust God for the resources necessary to go to places where teams are desperately needed. So beyond our time zone, um, we've done a lot of work in Southeast Asia with teams. Because I wanted to go, I wanted to go the farthest I could, with the cheapest I could. We're flying round trip out of Cleveland every year for the last seven years from Cleveland to Ho Chi Minh City for nine hundred dollars a ticket. All right. When you get there, the ground cost is cheap. But I wanted to immerse people into 21st century missions, businesses mission, with missionaries that are trying to figure out how to reach communist countries and the Buddhist world. I want our people to experience not just the mass evangelism of Latin America, but I want them to face this is what we're facing if we're going to finish the job on planet Earth. These are the places we need to go. This is where we need to see God raise up long-term workers for. So uh, beyond our time zone, uh, into the 1040 window, we don't have time to unpack that. If you don't know what that is, but the 1040 window is home to the Buddhist, Hindu, and Muslim world. 85% of the population lives inside that 1040 window. If you laid out a map and you drew a, a rectangular box from Spain to Indonesia and Southern Europe to Sub-Saharan Africa, 85% of the world's people live inside that box. We have 8% of our missionary force working inside that box. I gotta think the Holy Spirit's a better strategist than that. Okay, so beyond our time zone and beyond our comfort zone. You know, when Jesus took his disciples into Samaria, they were very uncomfortable with that first cross-cultural experience. They didn't want to be there. They didn't like Samaritans. They had issues with Samaritans. And Jesus said, this is where we need to be. So when Jesus says go into all the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem and Judea are basically carrying out outreach activities among our own culture and own people. Jerusalem was where where they were based out of. And Judea were people that lived further away but were the same culture. Here's Samaria, all right? Samaria is geographically near but culturally far. So stateside? Hmm? Right in Cleveland, one out of five students at Case Western University is an international student. Hmm? The nations, folks, the nations are our neighbors now. To do cross-cultural mission work, we don't need to cross the seas. Sometimes we just got to cross the streets. And we can see teams raised up to minister cross-culturally within a stone's throw of our churches a lot of times. So these are things we need to pay attention to. So beyond our time zone, beyond our comfort zone. And I wrote down here shotgun versus laser. This is all part of the where question. Where do we go? Well, uh, some churches are kind of like a shotgun. And every year they send a team to a different part in the world and they, they experience different cultures and all that kind of thing. Some, some churches are like lasers. They, they, they tie into an area of the world, a, a particular place of burden or a missionary they want to work with. They'll go in three, four, five years in a row and laser in. And, and neither one of them is right. Neither, neither one is wrong, I should say. And some churches do both. But to say, God, are we to be like a shotgun with our short-term teams? Are we to be like a laser beam? Is there a part of the world And when we were pastoring? We were both when we planted our church in 1993 in that first year we sent out two international teams one into the Soviet Union and one into southern Albania in the most impoverished part of Muslim Europe because we said we're not going to wait five, ten years as a church to start sending out teams it was a stretch I led one of them I was the pioneer pastor I trusted the ministry for two weeks to other people because if it was going to be all built on me it wasn't going to be we're going to make it long-term anyway. Isn't it right, Pastor Dave? Huh? So shotgun versus laser. To go to different places as a shotgun to impact more cultures or to build kingdom teamwork between the local church and ministry long-term. And here's a, here's a quote. This, this quote rocks me. Moffat was mentored by David Livingston became a missionary in Africa as well, and he said this, In the vast plain to the north I have sometimes seen in the early morning sun the smoke of a thousand villages where no missionary has ever been. That phrase, "the smoke of a thousand villages where no missionary has ever been," still, still rocks me. Does that be said of all over Asia. That can be said of Saharan Africa. That can be said of the Middle East. Hmm. So, um, here's the here's the what question. Um, what kind of trip? Well, there are evangelistic trips, isn't that right? And let me say this, <laughs> the ultimate purpose of every team ought to be to reach the lost. Construction teams, compassion teams, go, it's all about reaching the lost. One of the things that, that I struggle with, that I, that I feel sad about is, is that so many people are going on short-term mission trips today, and they never talk, the entire trip, they never talk to anybody about Jesus. They never have a chance to share their testimony. They never have a chance to share his story. They come back saying, that was a great trip. Ultimately, every trip needs to be about reaching the lost. Evangelistic teams, medical teams, compassion teams, construction teams, intercession teams. That's a growing edge today in in, in parts of the world where you can't do evangelism, but we need to plow the ground in prayer. Um, Let me share a quick story with you. George Otis Jr., He and I worked on the Olympic project in 1984 in Los Angeles. We had over 1,300 young adult Christians for 17 days on the streets. And uh, George was a strategic researcher for YWAM, a brilliant mind, a brilliant brain. And he loved studying moves of God all over the world and what's going on here and all that. So George was teaching at a conference in Paris and he heard at this conference that it was reported in, in, in French-speaking Algeria across the Mediterranean. There was a little fishing village in Algeria that, that, that all overnight the entire village came to Christ, this Muslim village. And George, being the researcher, he he made his way down to Algeria. He's asking questions. He found out it was true. He was just amazed by this because all these people had had a visitation of Jesus in their dreams in the night. And they got up and compared stories the next day. And the whole village converted. Well, George is teaching another conference in New York City, and and he's sharing this story with the people there. And after his session was over, a guy came up to him and said, Can I just confirm the village and, you know? And George told him, and he said, um, Well, there's something, let me add to your story. He said, I'm a professor at a Christian university here. And he said, A couple years ago, I felt the Lord call me to lead a team of students to that very part of Algeria as an intercession team. He said, We went to the very place where Raymond Lull, Swiss missionary, became the first martyr to the Muslim world at that village. And we went and we prayed and we knelt at the place where he laid down his life for Christ among the Muslims. You don't think there's power in intercession? S.D. Gordon, a missionary statesman of a generation ago, said this. This ought to mark all of our teams. All the fruit of mission and evangelism are merely the gathering up of results, first one in prayer. All the fruit of mission and evangelism. Okay. So where are we at? We're on the what question, isn't that right? Intercession is a growing edge, and we need teams of intercessors to go to places where we need to push back the darkness. All right? Uh, Family teams. Parent-child teams. Family opportunities. This is something that's picking up steam. A friend of mine, um, he was actually our Kyle for president in Cleveland way back in the day. He attended our church. He's now president of a company in Atlanta. They attended church in the Atlanta area. And I, I was talking to Mike, and Mike said, You know what? At our church, he said, Rarely a Sunday goes by that we're not laying our hands on another team to go someplace in the world. I thought, Wow. But he's got, they've got a strategy. And so third and fourth graders go on their first missions trip, and it's a long weekend right in Atlanta in the most racially diverse neighborhood. In, in the city of Atlanta. Fifth and sixth graders go beyond Atlanta, and they go on to Dallas to work in a mission opportunity there. Seventh, eighth, and ninth graders get their first cross-cultural experience going to Mexico. And as they move into high school, they have the privilege of going into Europe, and Asia, and Africa, and they've got this plan. And, and Mike says, these first few trips, he's got four kids, and he's starting to go on these trips with his oldest son and with his daughter, and they're doing mission together, and it is such a cool thing. And I'm thinking, come on, Ohio, we can do this. We can do this, all right? So family family trips. Uh, no matter the trip, uh, I just want to reemphasize this. Everybody needs to be ready to tell their story. Um. So we need to prepare them to tell their story. We need to take time before we go. Let's share our testimonies. What was going on in your life when you came to Christ? We need to know each other's testimonies. And our, our, our former students know this. You know, we know each other's testimonies well because I might be in a conversation with somebody. I say, you know what? Ian walked through something like that. Just like you're telling me, let me hook you up with my friend Ian. And Ian begins to say, you know what, this is how Jesus worked in my life. And this is how he he saved me. And this is how he helped me overcome that thing that was such a hindrance before I came to the Lord. So everybody needs to be prepared to tell their story. And we need to prepare everybody to believe that God is going to give them divine appointments on the trip. All right? Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Witnesses. No matter what type of trip, part of the what question, we serve the missionary's vision, not our own. Um, it's never calling up a missionary and said. This is what we're good at as a church. We want to come do it with you. No, it's always, what is God doing? What has he called you to do? And how can we come alongside you and help you be successful in the mission that God has given you? How can we serve your vision? That is the call of every short-term team. And the goal of every short-term team should be this. That the door is open wider for the next team because we've been here. Hmm. In the late 80s, we were going into the high schools of Great Britain because there's mandatory religious education in Great Britain. We were able to do full-blown school assemblies sharing Jesus in the public schools at the beginning of the day. We would go into classrooms, and we would have conversations with students, and we could do everything. We could share our testimonies. You could do everything but give an appeal. The, the British would say, be as appealing as possible without give, giving an appeal. And that first year, we saw over 70 high school kids from Nicholas Chamberlain High School come to Christ. It was unbelievable. This youth group went from 12 to big in a hurry that we were working with, all right? We went back two years later and uh, they said, Sorry, you can't go back into Nicholas Chamberlain High School. We had a team last year that came in and went over the top and they did not pay attention and they've shut that school down to our church and to your ministry. The goal is always that the doors open wider for the next team that comes through. So, uh, when we talk about what kinds of trips and all that kind of stuff, I, I, I love this saying here. A Borden, uh, William Borden said, if 10 men are carrying a log and nine of them are on the little end and one on the heavy end and you stop to help, which, which, which end will you lift on? Where are you going to go to help? Where everybody else is going? Or somebody needs somebody to lift? Okay. Uh, let's look at the how question. We're cruising right along here. Uh, first how thing. By application... Missions trips are not setting out a sign-up sheet, all right? This isn't, you know, what casserole are you going to bring to the potluck in two weeks? By application, because, it, again, it takes only one person with hidden agendas to wreck a trip, all right? Uh, the how question, pre tour planning, again, work on those testimonies. Practice them, get to know each other's Ministry preparation, serving together now. This is, I think this is really important. Um, do research together what's going on politically in the country what's the big news right now to go in ignorant is not a good thing again with Great Britain we're sitting in a, a, a classroom at Nicholas Chamberlain High School about 30 kids in the room, three of us and his question and answer time it was, just, it was great and they said what do you think of Bob Geldof now this is the late 80s alright and we're looking my like, Who's Bob Geldof? We don't know who Bob Geldof is. They were seriously offended. Because Bob Geldof was the British rock and roller who put together the entire live aid thing to impact the continent of Africa, was knighted by the Queen of England, a hero to all these kids. We didn't even know who he was. We went in ignorant. So do research. Understand what God is doing in the country. All right? Uh, pray together. And we have a little thing that we go through with our teams on a regular basis. Seven ways to pray for nations, tribes, and tongues. Uh, Serve together. Do some projects together before you leave. All right? It builds teamwork. It sifts motives. Um, um, Prayer walk together. Um, Here's the thing about preparing before you go. Nobody is going to go put their butt in a seat and flip a switch and say, I'm ready to go on a trip. It just doesn't work that way. And if they can't take the time or give up the time or make the time to prepare beforehand, they shouldn't be going, Because nobody's going to flip a switch and go from normal North American mode and daily routine to suddenly I'm ready to be a missionary. Okay? Um, a lot of, A few places in the world Missionaries have said to me, I don't want any short-term teams. They're more trouble than they're worth. That's pretty sad. So pre-trip training. let's continue a little bit. Team building and unity. Uh, Learn to affirm one another. Learn to encourage one another. uh, Work on team unity uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, Build unity together. Uh, John 17 just very clear Jesus the last night before he went to the cross you're going to pray the most important things on your heart what did Jesus pray? Father make them one unity that the world may know evangelism forever linking the unity of the church with the reaching of the lost around the world unity is crucial to mission All right, Uh, packing lists have a packing list people pack the craziest things People pack way too many things. You know, here's here's a rule of thumb. You pack it, you carry it. That helps, all right? Uh, So packing lists are important. Team rules. Ask the missionary about do's and don'ts. We are coming under their leadership and authority. It's not, well, we do this at home. No. We're on your turf. We're under your leadership. What what are the rules and regulations for the ministry, all right? Uh, So ask the missionary uh, it's always good to Skype or FaceTime with a missionary in advance, with the whole team, and get to know each other and all that. Are there Do curf- you, you want a curfew? Because if you don't have one, people will take advantage of that. Um, you know, never wander alone. Never travel the city by yourself. Never, always go in twos. You know, simple things. There's all kinds of. Here's here's one that we've run into more than I care about. No dating nationals. The romances that spring up. You probably run into this, all right? It, you know, in fact, when I've taken a lot of young adult teams on the field, they might be, two of them might be in a serious relationship. Can you suspend this while we're on the field to focus on the ministry and the mission? Pick, there was one couple that went to England with us years ago, and they were, they've were, been dating a long time, and they swallowed hard and said, yeah, we'll do it. They were great. And last night, we're overnighting in London, and Bill comes in and he says, I know the rule, but can I take Leslie out? this is the perfect place to ask her to marry me. It was great. <laughs> it was great. Uh, so the goal, of, you know, I love the, the quote by Calvert here. It was in response to a ship captain who said, why are you doing this? The diseases are going to k- take you out if they don't. You know, you could lose your lives doing this. This was back in the, in the 1800s. They're, they're traveling on a ship to their missions assignment. He said, respectfully, sir, we died before we came here. I think one of the goals of preparation is simply this, all right? Um, Where did that go? Uh, The goal is to die to self and be ready to serve before we go. And that's part of preparation. Uh, The win question, all right? What did Jesus say? Don't say four months and then harvest. What's the quote here? Carl F.H. Henry. The gospel is good news only if it gets there in time. You never get a second chance to harvest a ripe crop that's fallen to the ground. Don't say three or four years, then we'll think about it as a church. Okay? Jesus said, don't say four months. Let's get contagious. Let's be a mobilizer now. Uh, Let me tell you one final story, um, and then we're going to do a little Q&A. That's one of the peers. Some of the, you guys know this young lady very, very well. It's a story of the power of a short-term trip leading to long-term benefit, blessing, and engagement. A young lady named Sarah Winter didn't grow up in a Christian home. Dayton, Ohio, this is an Ohio story. Dayton girl. At age 13, she and her older sister, 16, mom and dad, family tradition was to take a walk in the metro park along the river on Christmas Day. When she was 13 years old, Christmas that year, they took a walk. Family dog got in the water, couldn't get out. Mom tried to get the dog out. Dad tried to get mom out. They watched watching horrors. Mom and dad both drowned before their very eyes. National news. Sarah told Becky and I, she said from that day forward, she said, all I want to do is make my parents proud of me. She buried herself in her studies, buried herself in her track and field. I believe it was one of her track friends in high school that led her, take, took her to a young life group. And through young life, she, she discovered Jesus as her Lord and Savior, became a pretty serious disciple, decided to go away to Christian college when she graduated, had a miserable first year. Miserable. Miserable. Wanted to go on a mission trip? Found us on an internet. We on the internet. We were taking a team in to the remote Amazon of high school and college kids for three weeks, and she signed up to go. Had a phenomenal experience. Within three days, she was signed up to come to our school, began to take classes, would only graduate. All right, but her first year, her team went to Myanmar. Were any of you guys on the Myanmar team? Okay. And and and, and in Myanmar, uh, one day we found ourselves outside the city at an orphanage about seventy kids. And it was Sarah's turn to share her story, and she got up in front of the group. And the first words out of her mouth were, I understand, I'm an orphan too. Seven little kids sitting cross legs in front of her. But she said, you know what? She said, uh, I found a father in heaven who's perfect. And he loves me every day. And he says, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I couldn't, I was balling. I couldn't believe she held it together. And after she was done, she stepped off the stage, went down the hall. Becky followed her out. And Sarah turned around and saw Becky get And she, she just blew up in my wife's arms. She held it all in for so long. And it, Sarah, type A Sarah, was so frustrated. All my friends know what God wants to do with their life. And why isn't he speaking to me and all that. But these things, callings get discovered on the field. I want to say that. And, man, and I, I want to say this, too. Why is it important to take high school kids abroad? Because an experience with God internationally can affect career choices, mate choices, can impact the rest of their lives. Okay? Well, Becky and I left. We joined our team in Taiwan, we had two teams that year, and the two teams met in Tokyo to fly home. Sarah's plane got in a little bit before ours, and as we got off the plane and walked into the airport, here comes track girl running, (laughs) running toward us. God told me what he's going to do with my life. I'm going to serve the underprivileged kids of Asia. Sarah just finished her first year as an MA in northern Laos. Loving on 100 kids every day. But that's not the whole story because she's recently been witnessing and praying with a guy. I was at this little semi-Western restaurant where you'll never find a McDonald's in the whole area. This restaurant called Bamboozle. There's a young guy at Bamboozle who wanted to learn English. So he, Bamboozle, he is, he's watching American TV and tending bar and mixing with as many Westerners as he can, and his English is getting really good. And he says to our missionary friends, Hey, I heard about this school. Do you think I could ever be a part of it and teach it and all that? And they prayed about it, and they brought him on board. And this young man... Uh, Became a follower of Jesus. What we did not know. Is that we believe he is the first. Known follower of Jesus from his tribe. Short term missions. With long term gains. And now the door is open. Because the uncles are the tribal leaders. And teams are going in. And conversations are going on. And we believe this young man could be the first pastor ever in his tribe. And catch this. Praise is going to the throne for the first time. In his language, through his life, that short-term missions with long-term gains. Wow, didn't quite get it in in forty-five. Katrina, come on up here for a minute. Dave, come on up here for you led so many teams. Come on up here, huh? Um, just we got ten minutes for question and answer. Actually, we got lunch next, so if you're not that hungry, we can stay a little longer if you want to. But uh, what Katrina has led more teams and organized more teams for Chi around the world than I could ever dream of, and I really respect her and how God has used her life in this area. Dave and I grew up in the same home church, Dayton Bethel, and uh, we cut our teeth on crazy missionaries telling crazy stories that impacted our lives at a very young age. We were in Royal Rangers together. He's a little older than I am, but we had a lot of good <laughs> memories together. So, um, so do you have questions? I mean, we covered some ground, but I know there's... What about short-term missions? Um, yeah. If your church is not doing short-term missions right now?
1: We've got one coming up in March of 2021 for the whole network. Okay. Uh, We're going to be going to India, um, like our local church. Mm -hmm. We're going to uh, Tanzania in September 19th, and we're going to be going out into the bush. We're going to build a school building. We're going to do uh, vacation Bible schools and drill a well. So we'll instantly be winning an entire
0: village to Jesus. How cool is that? Great. What do you do if, if not happening right now? Thoughts? Plan one.: Yeah.
2: It doesn't have to be far. Your first one can mm-hmm. be stateside. It can be two states away, It can be inner city, rural. We have lots and lots of options.
0: Yeah, All Talk to people that are doing it or have done it, say, what, "What's a good fit mm-hmm. for a first trip?" you know?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say, um, even back it up a little bit further, just personally get really contagious mm-hmm. about the lost around the world and say, Pastor, I, I can't contain this, and can I help lead a, a team from our church somewhere in the world or somewhere in the nation? So get contagious and go to your leadership and submit it to them and say, can we do something? All right? That would be, that would be a place to start. G- yeah.
1: G-GWM, you can go on there, and they have all kinds of teams you can join.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Also, if you've never been on a trip yourself, join another church's trip call churches that you know that are going and Mm -hmm. go because then you'll be more confident leading your next team.
0: Uh, Talk to your presbyter because um, the missions team here in Ohio has encouraged every area to have a team go out next year from their area. Contact your presbyter and say, I want to be a part of something. I want some people in my church to have a chance to be a part of something. So talk to your presbyter or the missions rep in your area as well to see if something's cooking that way. All right. Uh, Questions? Huh? Anybody?
1: Can I just tag Yep, Yeah, on? you go um, right ahead. Um, hearing praise and worship in heaven, uh, 30 years ago, Mongolia had four known Christians. They brought in the Jesus video, showed it. They had 500 people invite Jesus into their heart. And they thought, what do we do with this? And they took the screen, they projected worship words on it, and they had those 500 people worship. And can you imagine heaven... 500
0: people worshiping in the Mongolian language for the first time. That's so good. Man, heaven just rocks when that happens. (laughs) And and we have a promise, guys, Revelation 7 9, that one day around the throne there will be worshipers from every nation, tribe, and tongue. So short-term missions for me is like a big kingdom scavenger hunt. Let's go find those that are yet worshiping, and let's take teams there, and let's see worshipers in their language, all right? Yeah, was there another question over here? Did I miss, miss a hand at all? Yeah, go ahead. When you're doing college teams and selecting team leaders, what's the best way to, to select so if you don't have student leaders who aren't prepared? That's you.
2: The name is fat. Faithful, available, available and teachable.
0: F- fat, fat collegians. Faithful, available, and teachable. Yeah.
2: Completely. And that means that they're surrendered to their authority, yep. so that means their campus pastor or their church leader, they need to be able to listen and follow directions very clearly. Mm-hmm. Because when they do get to the field, they're going to have to do that instantaneously with their missionary.
0: The little excerpt I read from Jill Sobchak about our first team going into Laos and all that, you know, Becky and I left pretty quick after that team got rolling. That entire team was student-led by 19- to 20-year-olds in northern Laos. But the preparation was in place that I trusted them with that. And the missionary was strong and I trusted them to work together. They got their own flights back. <laughs> they figured it all out. But yeah, when they're faithful, available, and teachable, you can trust them. And that's how you grow leaders. That's how you grow leaders. Questions? Any other questions at all? Hmm?
1: Hmm? There's a philosophy... Let's send money rather than sending people. Oh, boy. Uh, that, that doesn't get it. We were uh, ministering in a city in Chile. The cook that had been cooking for us for like three days came out, the missionary interpreter for her, and she said, I was trained as a terrorist to hate North Americans, and I hated you by watching you mm-hmm. do what you've done for my people. God has healed me. He's forgiven me of my hatred for you. And the missionary said, that can't happen if you send money. It only happens That's if you right. go. That's right. That's really
0: good. That's really, really good. We have, um, we've talked about short-term teams with long-term gains and impact today. Uh, but I, I just want to, um, you wouldn't be here if God wasn't cooking something in your heart for the nations. And I, I, I just have a sense that some of us in this room might be more than a short-term trip. God is using second career people. People are retiring and going full time into missions. People are changing careers. People are taking their business acumen, their educational degrees, and they're going to the nations and they're having a blast. People are battling students every day in the classroom and teachers are going crazy. We could take you to parts in the world where kids would be waiting on the top step of the school for you to get there in the morning and they'd throw their little arms around you so glad that you were there to teach them. So I want to encourage you as you pray about short-term teams to be willing, be willing to go beyond short-term if God nudges you that way, all right? Because we need, what's our goal for these next 10 years? 250 full-time workers out of Ohio over the next 10 years. That's a big, big goal, all right? Well, any further comments, anything to add?
2: Um, well, just after we dismiss, I really feel like if you might be called to missions, mm-hmm. please stay and let us pray for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Dave, anything else to add at all? Well, Lord, we love you. We thank you for the privilege of, of, of hearing your heart for the nations and the role that we get to play in that. God, I, I pray that for my friends in the room that you would envision us, that you would stir us, that you would cause us to be contagious and to be mobilizers from our hometown to the nations to serve you hard. And God, I pray that you would give us strategies and you would open doors that no man could shut. And I pray that we would see in the next year, two years from this group, uh, teams going out from every church represented here to bless the nations. So we pray for these right now. We pray that you uh, you would guide their steps, the steps of a good man, good woman, or order to the Lord. Order their steps. Give them clarity. Give them favor. And may they have an absolute blast leading your people into their calling in the nations.